Well, good morning, Southlands Church. I'm Alan, and looking forward to preaching not only to you, but to our dear friends uh, in Newcastle, Cornerstone Church. Uh, how are you, mate? I wish I was doing on the tune with you. Uh, it is uh, just sad for me in many ways that we are supposed to be with you in Newcastle this coming weekend. But because of all that's happened this last two months, we're doing this online. So uh, there's real joy as well. Just the idea of two churches, partners in the gospel, uh, listening to the same message, worshiping together across the miles, just, uh, just wonderful. So greetings to you, Mike and S, our dear friends, uh, and Joel and Lynette and Mark and Nicole, the leaders in that church, and just a whole church that we have come to so love. It's, it's wonderful to be able to preach to you as well. You know, I've started to notice on the multiple Zoom calls that, uh, that I do that people have started to put as their Zoom backgrounds beautiful places they have visited or beautiful places they want to visit once this thing is over. And uh, a regular conversation is, where's the first place you're going to travel once this thing uh, is over? Is it going to be Yosemite or is it going to be Mexico or Canada or Europe or wherever? And uh, I am going to preach out of a, out of a passage where, where Paul, coming to the end of his uh, letter to the church in Rome is talking about his longing to be with them and his longing actually to visit them on the way to Spain. If Paul had a Zoom background, it would toggle between Rome and Spain. Uh, and, and he writes in verse 22 of chapter 15, This is the reason I've so often been hindered from coming to you, but I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. And so we're going to talk about what it is to, to have hopes, because we, we all have hopes, don't we? Uh, hopes of returning to some sort of normalcy, hopes of visiting people. I hoped to be in Newcastle, but that uh, didn't happen. And, and what is it to be a people who, who have hopes that are disappointed and even destroyed or, or delayed? You know, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. So many of us have uh, this heart sickness because of hope uh, deferred. And yet in this passage, we're going to see that Paul abounds with hope, even though he never got to Spain. Most commentators say he never got to Spain and he did get to Rome. But when he did get to Rome, it was being chained to a prison guard and he wasn't able to visit the church in the way that he had hoped. What does it mean when these things, these valid human hopes that we have are delayed or disappointed and how do we still abound in hope? I want you to listen to how many times Paul, the apostle, uses the word hope in this passage. He's abounding in hope. Count them with me. And then we're going to find how to be hope-filled people in a hopeless world. Romans 15, verse 1 to 12. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you 
to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people extol Him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. How do we abound in hope in these hopeless days? Brings me to think about that that wonderful hymn on christ the solid rock i stand where it says my hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness i dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly rest on jesus name paul had this very valid hope to get to spain and to visit the church in rome on the way and that hope never came to pass and yet he He has these ways of sorting through hopes and saying, that's a hope, but that's not a hope that I build my life upon. There are some far more certain hopes that I build my life upon. And man, for me, this season has been a season of recognizing and sorting through my hopes and going, man, some of these things that I'm desperately hoping for have not come to pass or maybe they will never come to pass because my whole life is just so different and so what are the hopes that i can actually build upon i mean to be honest this season has been a season of of hope deferred Uh, i found myself quite often kind of scrolling through my phone looking for hope looking for an email saying your stimulus check is on the way or looking for a message from Airbnb saying, we're refunding you for all the cancellations, or looking for an email from my son's college saying, D1 football season is on, and you're scrolling going, oh, I'm looking for hope, I'm looking for hope. And honestly, in all those areas, that hope has not come. And I found that when I pin my hope on on something fragile too much, I put that hope in charge of my joy. How about you? And man... The, the, the sense of hopelessness in these days has taken a toll on, on our souls. Uh, depression and anxiety, as J.D. has already spoken, is, is really on the up. Tragically, suicide is, is on the up. And we've got to be gracious with one another and gracious with our, ourselves. But, but the Word of God is a wonderful way of sorting through our hopes and saying, let's not hope in these sweet frames that cannot hold us what are the hopes that we can build our lives upon pin our hopes on that will actually give us an unsinkable buoyancy in the storms that we face and so we're going to look at three of these hopes that paul had even though his hope to get to spain and rome never came to pass 
And firstly, he talks about uh, the hope of harmony through Jesus amidst disputes. Paul, in verse 1 to 3, is giving a recap of the previous uh, chapter when he's been talking about Jew and Gentile who are gathered together in one uh, accord in their faith in Jesus, but there's a lot of disputes around disputable matters. And he gives a recap in in chapter 15, and I'm just going to give that recap too because it's so vital that we realize that while there is diversity amongst us, we have preference and conviction and, and, and conscience that actually there's going to be diversity around disputable matters. And, and Paul has a hope that this church who has so much diversity can still, with harmony, lift one voice to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. And he says, as we follow the example of Christ who did not please himself, it's going to enable us with our different convictions and conscience to be able to lift one voice in harmony. You remember two weeks ago I talked about how harmony is a beautiful picture of unity and diversity. Where we're singing the same song but not exactly the same melody. And as we join together focused on Christ as our goal rather than our preference, we actually lift a song and a voice that's richer and stronger and louder than if we were all singing exactly the same tune. And that's Paul's hope. And we have seen uh, some incredible glimpses of church harmony in these days, haven't we? I so enjoyed this week listening to the UK's church version of that song, The Blessing, where my friend Tim Hughes gathered, I don't know, about 30 or 40 churches across the spectrum in the UK, and together they sang this one song. There was such a sense of harmony. It was, it was absolutely amazing and got millions and millions of views. And actually, even people that weren't in the church kept on posting saying, this just moves me to tears. A a divided world, polarized, is actually longing for a united church. But we know that, that, that unity and harmony is more than just a moving Zoom song, isn't it? That it actually requires a gritty willingness to deny ourselves and not to seek to please our ourselves but to actually please our neighbor that's what paul is saying that's why he's hopeful there can be harmony amidst disputes and this not pleasing ourselves but pleasing our neighbor this is not to be confused with other passages where it says don't live to please men but rather please god like acts 3 and 4 you know when we live to please people in that way We are actually looking to gain favor for them or increase our reputation. And it's not actually talking about that kind of living to please people and disobeying God in the process. It's it's actually saying you, you please your neighbor and build him up for his good. It's not for your good that you're pleasing people. It's for their good. So, for instance, when I decide not to exercise my strong conscience for movies that are violent. I just think it's good, clean violence, but Ronelle actually, her, her, her conscience can't cope with it. 
I don't please myself, I please my neighbor. Your wife is your neighbor too by actually loving her. Or for instance, when my friend who's a recovering alcoholic comes over and I don't please my strong conscience with alcohol by not drinking, uh, that's not actually saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm trying to please him for my favor. No, it's out of love for the Lord. I'm trying to please and build him up rather than myself. And at this moment, the same might be true of wearing masks. That uh, we might feel free not to wear uh, a mask. We're not fearful, etc. But, but it's loving our neighbor who may be more susceptible or more sickly or more elderly or have more of a sensitive conscience. We actually wear a mask. And I find the mask stifling. Uh, my kids hate it too. I took my, uh, one of my kids to the, to the store the other day and, and we wore masks. He got back into the car and said, Dad, this mask smells like poop. And I was like, yeah, did you brush your teeth this morning? All of us are just going like, man, this is super uncomfortable. But we, we don't do it necessarily because we are fearful. We do it to love our neighbor. Even as we come back to in-person uh, gatherings, uh, the question of will we stay online, gather in homes, or meet here in the auditorium, uh, it depends on, on conscience. Uh, and we can live in harmony with those different convictions. And there are going to be some laws that we adhere to, and then there are going to be other disputable matters, like uh, numbers of people uh, in the auditorium, and whether to bring your children or not, that we are asking, what is it to actually not just live to please myself, but like Christ, to live to please others. You might be saying, actually, we need harmony at home. Uh, my neighbor is my, my wife, my husband, uh, or my kids. I've been scratchy. I've been, been grumpy. All of us have uh, described that. And actually, God uh, uh, is the God of, of endurance and encouragement. That's what Paul describes God in in this long distance race that we are running actually we can when we're running out of gas we can run back to God the God of endurance and encouragement and receive grace for our family be able to say I'm sorry and I forgive you there is hope for harmony amidst dispute when we live like Jesus who did not please himself but live to please his neighbor. Think about Jesus who, it says he was the servant of the circumcised here. Talking about how he came to serve his own people. Uh, being circumcised as a young boy did not bring Jesus any pleasure other than that it served the people he was trying to reach. Being crucified on a cross did not bring Jesus any pleasure other than that. It served to save the world. And so Jesus is both our model, he's also our power when we're running out of gas to love our neighbor. He is the one that we run to. So that's Paul's first hope. The second hope that he has is the hope of endurance and encouragement from the scriptures in the detours of our lives. Uh, verse 4, he says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. And then he says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony. In other words, Paul is saying, in this long-distance marathon that we're running, uh, God, 
through the scriptures shows us that he is the God of endurance and encouragement. And I want us to, to see that, that he, he says, firstly, uh, the, 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 the scriptures instruct us and give us endurance and encouragement. But then he goes on to say, God himself through the scriptures is the God of endurance and encouragement. In other words, when we read the scriptures, there's not only instruction, there's actually an impartation from God himself, the God of endurance and encouragement. And if you think of those two words, endurance and encouragement, in running a race, endurance is giving us the ability to run further than we could in our own strength. But encouragement is kind of the way we run. It's the spring in our step. In other words, God is able to give us power through the scriptures, not just to run further, but to actually run with encouragement, run with a spring in a step. Paul is so hopeful for himself and for the church in Rome and for you and I. How many of us are running out of steam in these days? But the God who never grows weary. The God who never slumbers, the God who never runs out of gas, is able through the scriptures to give us endurance and encouragement. And, and Paul, when he's talking about the scriptures, and is particularly talking about the patriarchs and, and, and those people in the Old Testament that serve as an example of those who actually finished their long races. You know, one of the things that gives me endurance is when I put the timeline of my life against the timeline of the patriarchs, people like Abraham and Sarah, people like Moses, people like Joseph, even people like David. You know, this eight weeks has felt like an eternity. But when I, I put my timeline against the timeline of Abraham and Sarah, who had to wait till they were almost 100 before they, they actually received the promise of a child, I just go, Oh, Lord, I can have endurance. You help them to have endurance, I can have endurance. When I think of Moses, where 40 years in this wilderness between being called to deliver Israel out and actually being able to lead, 40 years, that timeline makes my timeline, our timeline seem smaller. I, I, I think of, of David, 10 years between being anointed as king and actually serving as king. I think of Joseph. 13 years between getting the dream that one day he would kind of be this great leader and 13 years spent in Potiphar's house and spent in prison. Oh, their timelines surely give us perspective on ours. But you know, it's, it's not just that it causes us to go, okay, okay, we can last longer. It should encourage us because in each of these people's delays and detours, God was with them, and God was at work. And one of the things that encourages me in this long-distance race that we're in right now is that God is at work, and He's with us. Brian Loritz, I heard him uh, speaking this last week, and, and he was talking about the detours of the patriarchs and the detours of our lives, and just saying this whole season feels like a long detour, doesn't it? Uh, the plans that we'd had. I mean, if we bought a 2020 planner, uh, let's just put it aside, right? Because the plans that we had are just either completely delayed or, or we've just dropped them all together. But he said, you know, whenever you see the sign on a journey detour on the side of the road, you normally see just after that sign 
another sign saying men at work. And the encouragement that we have is that where there's a detour, God is at work. And so detours in scripture are never wasted. God did his best work in his servants during the detours of their lives. And he is at work in our lives. And that's our hope, that we don't have to waste the detour. That God can come to us almost like one of those coaches when the athlete is running the marathon and he can come to us and he cheers us on and sponges us down and gives us a massage. He actually imparts his endurance and his encouragement to us through the scriptures. Don't give up reading the scripture. God, the God of endurance and encouragement, wants to meet with you through the scriptures. Get going with the Bible reading plan. Join a CBR. This is not just instruction. It's impartation. You heard the announcement about Sam and Becky, didn't you? And uh, one of the ways that, that the Lord has spoken to me through these Old Testament characters during this time is through this prophet, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet who actually prophesied that Israel would be taken into exile for 70 years. He wasn't a very popular prophet, as you can imagine. But he, he, he spoke to Israel and just said, even though it's going to be 70 years, it's going to be a massive detour. God is going to be powerfully at work in exile. And then in Jeremiah 30, as they're about to be carried off into exile, they're being besieged by the Babylonians. God comes to Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, go and buy a plot of land and take the deed and seal it in a clay jar so that in 70 years time, you can come back and build on this land, or someone can. For once more, fields will be bought in this land. In other words, God spoke to Jeremiah and said, you've got to make an action, make a purchase in hope. And it's going to take a long time before it comes to pass. But this prophetic action went straight against the flow of everyone else who was just fearful of being carried off into exile. And God spoke to me so clearly. And he just said, Alan, as you lead, be wise, be prudent, but look for these Jeremiah moments when you actually do something that goes against the flow that speaks of your hope that I will once again restore this people. And when we, we began just to, just to wrestle with whether we do go through with bringing Sam and Becky on, because we'd already actually offered them the job before COVID-19 happened. We looked, obviously, we did our due diligence and looked at our finances and saw that it was healthy, etc. But, but I brought this word to our team of elders and the directional team and just said, guys, I believe this move is building for the future. It doesn't make sense from a human point of view, perhaps, but it's building for the future. Let's put a stake in the ground that God is a God of the future. I want to ask you, are you looking at the God of endurance and encouragement and just saying, I'm not taking my ultimate cue from the news briefings and the gossip out there and the stocks and the retirement. I mean, all of that stuff is down, but actually God is looking for a hopeful people who can face the facts of what's happening, but actually act in an opposite spirit. What are you doing in your family, in your business, in your relational world, in your evangelistic world, in your ministry world, that actually is saying, I believe in this detour, God is powerfully at work 
and I am cooperating with him. May the God of endurance and encouragement refuel you at this time. And then finally, Paul had a hope, not just that the God of endurance and encouragement would, would refuel him and the church in Rome and us, but he had a, a great hope that during his delay of not being able to get to Rome and Spain, that God was at work advancing the gospel across new frontiers. And he writes in verse 12 and 13 about how it was prophesied that the Gentiles would put their hope in the Lord. Paul was, was a Jew, and yet he saw through the pages of Scripture that it was promised to the patriarchs that not only would Israel be blessed, but through Abraham, all nations, every nation, would put their hope in Jesus. And so he, he quotes all these Old Testament promises and, and, and is saying, even though I can't get to you, even though there's persecution, God is fulfilling his promises that the gospel is bearing fruit amongst the Gentiles. And then he goes on in verse 20 to say, in fact, although I'm so sad that I can't get to you, it is my ambition to preach the gospel where it has not been preached. And that is why I'm so hopeful. Hopefully one day I'll get to you, but actually right now I am watching these thousands of years old prophecies being fulfilled as the Gentiles put their hope in Christ. And so my distance is not being put to waste. One of the things that has given me such hope, that has kind of given me endurance and encouragement to get through, is that even though we can't be together, and like Paul, I, I'm, I'm longing to be with you in person. But during this distance and delay, we see the gospel bearing fruit in areas that were seemingly unreached to people that previously were seemingly unresponsive. And that has helped me to remain encouraged. The, the gospel is crossing new frontiers of the home. I keep on having conversations with many of you who are just saying, man, I am realizing I haven't done a great job at discipling my kids. And in some ways I've outsourced that to others. But now I'm realizing as families, we need to have conversations about the gospel. And some moms are discipling their kids, taking them through the gospel of Luke. Some dads are discipling their sons, taking them through systematic theology. And the gospel is advancing on these frontiers of the home. The, the gospel is advancing on the frontiers of the neighborhood. I've, I've, I've heard and even seen with Mike and S just these conversations on their high street that they weren't having before. And keep on hearing of these little praise parties that are popping up in front yards with people who some are believers and some aren't who are just curious. And that wasn't happening beforehand. We've talked of uh, online Alpha and how it's bursting at the seams across the world. Alpha is bursting at the seams online. All of us can have an ambition during this time that the gospel would bear fruit where it had not previously been preached. I know. That stocks are down and retirement is down and consumer confidence is down and investment confidence is down. But actually prayer is up and spiritual conversations are up. 
and the seeker mentality, asking big questions, it's up. And can we, like Paul, just say, I am hopeful because the Gentiles, those that were not religious, those that did not know Jesus, they're putting their hope in him. As we begin to gather in person, man, let's not lose this gospel hope. Let's not lose the gospel innovation that we continue seeing the gospel cross new frontiers. You may be watching and feel particularly hopeless at this time. You might be like a man that I I heard uh, this week who realized he had pinned his hope on very frail things. And he came to his friend who happens to be in Southlands. They've been friends for 15 years. And he just said, my world has fallen apart. Can you lead me to a more strong hope? And he put his hope in Jesus this week. And that might be you today when you've recognized the things that you've placed, you pinned your hopes on are actually broken and frail. And I want to offer that for you today, this offer of salvation that you put your hope in Jesus who lived not to please himself, but lived to die in order to serve and save us, gives us a solid hope. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And I want to ask you that you would consider putting your hope in Jesus, that eternal hope that will never, never fail you. And so the Apostle Paul lands with this prayer, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. We can only have that kind of unstoppable, unshakable hope when we believe in the God of hope. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The beauty of the gospel is that in hopeless times, we can abound in hope. In other words, there's enough hope for us And enough hope to overflow to others. Through the gospel, you and I can be dealers of hope. And my, how the world needs hope. I think what we need, all of us though, is a hope transfusion. You can't be filled with the God of hope if you are full of your own human frail hopes. And so I want to lead us in a short time of prayer now. As we allow these human frail hopes that so often deceive us and disappoint us as we actually allow them to bleed out. It's not that they're terrible hopes, but let's just allow them to bleed out and we can just say, I can't rest my life upon these things. I can't rest my life on the government's next announcement. I can't rest my life on my employer. I can't rest my life on my stocks or my retirement. Allow those things to to bleed out. Place them in Jesus' hands. He is good. He cares for us. And He cares about those things. But we can't pin our hope on them. Empty yourself of those things. And then let's together say, Oh, may the God of hope fill us with the Holy Spirit. Father, we confess that we have pinned our hopes on frail things. But we say today, we dare not not trust the sweetest frame, but we wholly rest on Jesus' name. Jesus, your blood, your covenant, 
your forgiveness, your promise, your presence, your very word. We ask that you would fill us with these things again. Give us this kind of unsinkable buoyancy because your hope is eternal. Your hope is a hope that gives endurance and encouragement. And so Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Let there be this hope transfusion as we bleed out those things that cannot hold us and we receive afresh your hope that never disappoints because your Holy Spirit has been poured into our heart. God bless you, Southlands. God bless you, Cornerstone. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and may he give you hope and peace. Amen.